When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant in Conversation. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State Athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. On today's episode, I'm in conversation with one Brett Ciancia. Now, you might not know that name, but I guarantee if you're a college football fan, there's a pretty good chance you know his Twitter account. That is at Pick6Previews. Not only is he one of the best follows on Twitter or X or whatever we're supposed to call it now in terms of providing interesting and insightful college football information, but he is also the author of the most accurate Power 5 preseason college football magazine for the past 10 plus years. Pick 6 Previews, as far as I'm concerned, is the best preview magazine, and we have been talking to Brett for the past five, six years. I need to go back and actually look, but he's been a regular guest here on the Land Grant Podcast Network, providing us insight into the season and to the Buckeyes and how they stack up against the rest of the elite in college football. In the show notes, we will have information on where you can follow Brett on social media and where you can purchase his magazine. You can either get a physical copy of his magazine, you can download a PDF or both if you would like. So with all of that out of the way, here's my conversation with Pick 6 Previews, Brett Ciancia. All right, Brett, we are back. But I think I I need to go back and look one of these years, either the fifth or sixth year that we've been chatting here about Ohio State at the start of the season. So I really appreciate you taking the time. I know it's a very busy year or very very busy time of year for you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matt. It's one of my uh, annual stops. I love to talk Buckeyes with you guys. And um, yeah, and I I tend to be pretty bullish on Ohio State. So I'm sure you enjoy hearing me talk about it. So um, yeah, it looks like another great season. You know, they're still in the dynasty tier, in my opinion despite a couple of losses to end the year, but really a lot to be excited about for Ohio State in a really tough Big Ten East this year. Probably the hardest, uh, most top-heavy division in all of college football. That was going to be one of my questions. We'll, we'll get to that, but I want to start, I want to say, when I when I got the book this year, I wasn't 100% sure if I was going to open those first few pages and see Ohio State in your college football playoff final four, but you do have them as one of the four teams. A really interesting group. Three of the four are the same. From 2022, you have Georgia at number one, Michigan at number two. Then at number three, you have Florida State, which is a very interesting pick. I I live in Orlando, so I have a lot of Seminoles around me. And then you have Ohio State at four. Obviously, with that, that means that you have Michigan more than likely beating Ohio State. I I guess they could be a higher seed uh, and still lose to Ohio State, although I don't think that that's a very likely scenario. But looking at your Big Ten unit ranks, you more or less have Michigan as the definitive favorite in the conference at either number one or two at all the position breakdowns with Ohio State really only getting number one at the wide receiver spot. Is that as much about 
maybe Ohio State taking a step back, Michigan taking a step forward, or just the trajectory of what we've seen on the field in the last two years? How do you kind of match those two up and show what seems to be a fairly significant gap between the two in terms of how you're looking at the squads this season? Yeah, well, um, first off, it's a really top-heavy division like I just touched on, and uh, I don't think the gap is super big either, though. I think that um, you know you could go either way with Michigan and Ohio State and really even Penn State to be in the mix this year. So um, it may seem like a big gap, but nationally that's number two and number four. So it's pretty uh, it's pretty good. And Penn State number seven, I might add. So yeah. three in the top seven. Um, but what's going on with Michigan and Ohio State, it's it's more about Michigan this time. Uh, it's no, no slight at Ohio State, in fact. I'm so high on them that even as a conference runner-up, I still have them grabbing the four spot over other conference runners-up like Alabama, like Clemson, um, or a USC or a Washington. So, um, yeah, I have them there. But, yeah, it's about Michigan this year. I'll, I'll summarize it with this. I think in 2021, it was a total surprise. It came out of nowhere. Uh, 2022, it was still – we were thinking, all right, was that a one-year wonder? Uh, is the Jim Knowles effect going to take over? And is Ohio State going to reclaim the rivalry? But they've proven us wrong twice. And uh, here in year three, it's just it's a proven product. Everyone is back. I think that's what stands out when looking at Michigan is when you compare playoff teams, usually they send a lot of their starters to the pros. They're rated by early, uh, you know, early and release the draft. Uh, it's not the case this year. I think they set a record for most returning production off of a playoff team. The, the entire roster's back. You saw Jim Harbaugh's quote at media day saying they're going to break the NFL draft record. Um, it's, it's a very impressive roster. There's no holes on it. So they're proven, and uh, I think it's their best one yet. So I have them winning the conference, but um, you know, there's still enough to like about Ohio State to keep them in that dynasty tier, keep them in the playoff bracket for 2023. Well, let's start looking at, uh, at Ohio State. One of the things that I think jumped out to me as I was going through the book is your take on Ohio State's quarterbacks. Ohio State has had nothing but top-tier quarterbacks since Ryan Day took over. Right now, we don't really technically know who is going to come out the starter. I think most people that watch the program assume that it will be Kyle McCord. But right now, we don't know that for a fact. And looking at how you have the conference breaking down, not only do you not have the Ohio State quarterback, whomever that might be, as either a first team or a second team selection, you have the Ohio State quarterback unit at fifth in the conference. Does that have more to do with the fact that there's just some uncertainty between the two guys? Or is it as much as there's they're unproven talent and there's other guys in the conference who are starting to show themselves. The recruiting at that position has gotten better in the big 10 lately. How do you assess where Ohio state with all of the incredible offensive talent around the quarterback position and Ryan day and, and staff building up the position? How do you break down what to expect from them in this fall season? Yeah. Well, if there's anyone that deserves a, a you know, a track record, at quarterback and an offense, it's Ryan day. I mean, the ability that he's shown to, to reload the position, Year after year, quarterback battle after battle. So I'm, I'm confident they're going to get A-plus uh, play from the quarterback. But uh, in terms of a preseason unit rankings, that's just based off a little bit of uncertainty. You know, I don't know who's going to emerge from that. Um, they might go through some growing pains as first-time starters. Uh, and, and look who you're going against. It's um, I know that Ohio State is a pair of five stars, the top 50 guys battling it out. But they're ranked against those top 50 and five-star guys that have already proven it. I mean, J.J. McCarthy, a, a one-and-a-half-year starter, He's already proven it. Uh, Drew Aller, I know he's still a little bit young, but we saw him in games. He started, um, you know, he got some some significant time against Purdue and against the Mac schools. So I've at least seen him on the college stage. I know what I'm getting with him uh, as a former five-star. So, And then uh, Tagovailoa from Maryland. Uh, he continues to impress. I think I had Maryland fourth there. 
Um, so yeah, it's a really tough group. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if at the end, the end of the year, the whoever emerges at Ohio State quarterback is putting up all conference numbers. So, um, and it wasn't enough to make me flinch to to hold them out of the playoff bracket either. So, right, uh, you can well, caveat uncertain, that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you can caveat it all you want. You were absolutely right. You do have them in the playoff. I'm just trying to see where the thought process is because Ohio State fans obviously want to know who the starter is going to be, even if they think they know it's going to be the veteran Kyle McCord. But the other area on the offense that I think has the most conjecture and most uncertainty around it is the offensive line. There were times when Ohio State's offensive line looked really good last year and times when they didn't. However, according to your metrics, you actually have them as being a pretty solid one of the best offensive lines in the country last year. They returned some of that production and starting spots from last year. They are going to have to bring in some other guys and potentially even some transfers might actually end up being starters on on the O-line. But what did you see from the line last year? And what do you anticipate coming in at this uh, with the, with the replacements specifically probably at the center and tackle positions? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll start with 2022 last year. One of the most impressive offensive lines that I graded. I, I have my, offensive line run push metric that I created and used to show the run game and then a sack rate pass protection to show that. And uh, Ohio State was only one of four offensive lines in the country to place in the top 15 in both right up there uh, with Georgia, Oregon, and Utah, some solid units. So very impressive. They continued to reload in the trenches. Uh, but that, you know, fast forward to 2023, this is my bigger question mark on the offense, bigger than quarterback. I think whoever emerges a QB will be great. Uh, it's a little bit more uncertain in the trenches. I think that, uh, you know, Buckeye fans, they were expecting Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones to go pro early. They weren't expecting Wycliffe. So now you have three holes to replace, um, two returning starters full-time. You have a six-man coming back. But uh, a couple of vacancies there and some uncertainty. And the other red flag that I noticed during the transfer portal, you know, it's a whole new era, but you want to look at this kind of stuff. But they really struggled to fill those spots. They lost out on transfer battles with uh, with Auburn, I think uh, Florida State, USC. So they went toe-to-toe with some of the transfer giants and, and couldn't land those all-conference linemen. So, um, you know, you got to trust a little bit more on the high school ranks, and they recruit really well. So I'm sure there's five stars ready to roll, but it's, it's uncertain. So uh, th- that is a bigger question mark than QB for me. Yeah. Well, let's go to the other side uh, of the line. One of the things you mentioned is the fact that there very well should be, and we could actually probably just expect to have a bump in the second year of new defensive coordinator Jim Knowles. Not only is he back now, he knows the players, he knows the system, all of those things are a little bit more in place, but he's got a ton of production coming back from his unit last year. Some Ohio State fans might say, Bad production isn't exactly what you want coming back, but there was a lot of injuries that hurt the the defense last year. And even though they made some significant statistical steps forward, when the chips were down against Michigan and against Georgia, the defense really didn't live up to the expectations that you would have, especially when the offense was clicking on all cylinders. What do you think as you look at this unit in year two of Jim Knowles with a bunch of production back from the previous season? What do you expect will be the strengths from this defense? And what do you expect will be uh, maybe some of the places that need the most improvement? Yeah, well, let's look back on 2022 first. I always like to start there and frame it where, you know, Knowles was fired. Uh, sorry, he was hired for, uh, you know, to improve this defense uh, that had gone through a collapse in 2021. And Really, up until that fourth quarter of the Michigan game, it was a, a huge success. Uh, statistically, they, they improved in almost every metric. Um, so the optimist spin was, hey, there was st- uh, statistical growth all across the board year over year, and it's all back for 23. 
the pessimist angle, and this is the other reason he was hired, was for a very specific reason, beat Michigan and win some playoff games and came up short when it mattered. So uh, depending on your view of Ohio State, you know, whether you're uh, more of a playoff tier guy where it's playoff or bust, uh, or if you still find, or if you can still find some pleasure in eleven win season, uh, it was either a, a you know a pro or a con. So all that to say, I think you're in for a huge bonus here in the second year of the Knowles effect. Uh, not only a second year coach bonus, but all that returning production. Ohio State had ten guys that got all all Big Ten rec, uh, what, honorable mention or first or second team, and seven of that is back. So seven out of ten returning, including two first teamers. Um, and sprinkle in some key transfers too. This defense is poised for a huge breakthrough. So that's part of the reason uh, that factors into me having them back in the playoff is I think a big defensive boost again, a second year bonus uh, from the Silver Bullets. Yeah, and that of course will help counteract any kind of slowing of the growth on the offensive side that might come with having a new quarterback or maybe even a, a weaker offensive line that hopefully any steps backwards on the offense are are counteracted by some steps forward on the defense. Um, I was really interested on your all Big Ten picks. There were some Ohio State players that were n- not surprises. You had, uh, especially on defense, JT Tuimaloau and Tommy Eichenberg, two, who I think are two of the best at their position in the country. But the one that jumped out at me was that you had Cornerback Denzel Burke as a first-teamer this season. Coming off of his true freshman year, I think a lot of Ohio State fans would have expected that he was the next great cornerback at Ohio State. Last year, due to some injuries, maybe him not being as well-prepared as he should have been coming into the season by his own admission, didn't really live up to expectations in 2022. Looking at 2023, you've got him as a first-teamer, so obviously you think that he's going to have a bounce-back year, either because of the system, either because of his health, or something else. What do you expect from him to kind of take that next step forward to be the next great Ohio State defensive back? Yeah, well, I think you hit on all those key points. I think health, experience, a second year in the system, a second year at the college level as a starter, uh, in for a big bonus. And I I wanted to get Ohio State's secondary on there. Uh, It's a crowded conference. Not only is it 14 teams, but it's some of the best in the country. So it's tough to break through onto these first and second team, all big 10 teams, but um, yeah, he's, he's got my endorsement there. I also was considering ransom. Uh, he's a guy, he was all over the place. Uh, I think he blocked a pawn or something. He was in the backfield and secondary, a very versatile guy. So that's a guy that didn't make my preseason, but definitely is in consideration and is on the radar. Um, would not be surprised to see him surge later in the year, but yeah, you join a couple mainstays that made a uh, first team last year. They returned. Uh, JTT on the, on the defensive line and Tommy Eichenberg, uh, linebacker. So, yeah, there's there's some first-teamers there to play around with. And um, across the board, Ohio State makes my top four at each defensive tier, the D-line, the linebackers, and the secondary. So I think they're in for a bonus like we talked about. And, um, you know, it's just a matter of uh, matter of pick your five-star. They're everywhere on this roster. That caught my eye, too. Um, you know, so even some guys you haven't heard of yet, they're coming up the ranks. So it's a, it's a very packed roster. We talked about all of the talent at the top of the Big Ten East, but I think there will be a lot of Ohio State fans who are interested in what's going on over on the West, especially because Luke Fickle is now the head coach of Wisconsin, not only a former Ohio State player, but also a former Ohio State coach and somebody who, even though he is now at a conference rival, somebody that a lot of fans hold in high regard. Just real quick, what's the 30,000-foot view on the Badgers this year? You do have them as the top team in the Big Ten West. Well, yeah, I'd say this. I think they they aced their hires there. There was a coaching transition that surprised many when they went and fired Paul Christ. 
Uh, it was an even bigger surprise when they didn't hire Jim Leonard, their longtime defensive coordinator, really Mr. Wisconsin. It was a shock to not hire him. Uh, so I was wondering what they had up their sleeve, and they hit a home run with Fickle. Uh, they hit an even bigger home run at offensive coordinator with Phil Longo, a guy I got to speak with again this year, one of my favorite coordinators to talk to. Um, it's going to be really special and unique to see his offense at Madison, Wisconsin. You picture the you know double tight, uh, heavy run style. They're going to spread it out. They'll still run the ball, but you're going to throw it a lot more too. So uh, it's going to look a lot different. But uh, and then in the transfer portal too, they hit home on a lot of skill position talent. So they've revamped their whole receiver room. So they're well stocked to receiver five stars, four stars, um, and they bring in Tanner Mordecai, multi-year starter from SMU, who's thrown for a million yards. And so I think this offense is going to click right away. Uh, and then defensively, Luke Fickle's track record speaks for themselves. And um, you know, another thing about Fickle that stood out was his player development. Uh, this is the first year that I added Cincinnati into the book now that they moved up to the Power 5 ranks. And I compare recruiting rankings to NFL draft output. Cincinnati is the top, uh, I think, number one in the country in that metric because they didn't recruit well, but he sure developed them into first and second in, in NFL talent. So incredible coach there. It would not surprise me that a handful of years from now, if we're talking, uh, he might be the head coach. He might be your next Buckeye head coach. I don't know if that's in five years or 20 years, but he's definitely on the radar because he's, he's certainly deserving. Yeah, him or Brian Hartline are the two guys that Ohio State fans generally talk about whenever Ryan Day leaves, whether that is next year if he decides to take an NFL job or he loses three in a row to Michigan and gets run out of town. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but there are certainly people who would not be upset to see Luke Fickle back on the sidelines in Columbus. Well, let's move away from the Big Ten and talk a little bit about the other two teams that you have in the playoffs. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on each one. Obviously, Ohio State fans are very well acquainted with the Georgia Bulldogs having come within a field goal of beating them in the college football playoff last year. And in my opinion, a field goal away from winning the national championship. But looking at them now having won two college football playoff national championships in a row, you've got them as number one. Everyone's got them as number one. What is different from this team this year? What have they lost? What have they added? Are they going to still be strong in the same spots they were in 2022? Or is it going to be kind of a reshuffling of things so that they have new strengths, new weaknesses in 2023? Yeah, well, to start at the top with Georgia, um, they're on that dynasty tier. There's there's no doubt about it. And um, yeah, it's funny. I think the the perception is that everyone has them at number one. But when you look around, a lot of people don't. And that's that's surprising to me. A lot of people are throwing Bama back at number one. Uh, some have Michigan, which I can see a little bit better, but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think until proven otherwise, Georgia's the number one program in America. Back-to-back national champs, uh, recruiting's right there, number one, or I'll say one A, one B with Alabama um, and the coaching staff. So here's what stands out about Georgia is how Kirby Smart continues to not only develop players but motivate them. Now you listen to these guys post game or post practice; they still have a chip on their shoulder. You know, they still think that they're the underdogs. It's uh, it's pretty crazy, but. The mental aspect of the game goes a long way, and he gets the best out of them every single game. So um, until proven otherwise, yeah. And, um, you know, specifically when you look at the roster, the defense is elite again. They've returned so much. Um, The thing about Georgia is that they rotate their players more than anybody on defense. So, yeah, you might lose five or six quote-unquote starters, but the the new starters coming up, they have almost just as many snaps. So uh, this thing keeps reloading on defense. Quarterback will look a little bit different. Um, first, a quarterback with Stetson Bennett gone to the pros, but it's just a battle of five stars, similar to what Ohio State's going through for their next quarterback spot. And a uh, new coordinator, too, Todd Monken, the genius behind uh, last year's offense, is now in the pros. So you do have a coordinator change to deal with. But 
Uh, all that to say, I think this this machine is going to keep rolling a very manageable schedule too. I don't know if he's peaked at that yet, but it would not oh, surprise yeah. me to see another twelve and zero regular season. Yeah, their 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 schedule is laughable. Uh, you know, we we make jokes about. Jim Harbaugh being suspended potentially or reportedly for the first four games of the season and then playing nobody, but essentially Georgia's schedule is that for all 12 weeks. But yeah. So what about Florida state? Just real quick. What are your, what are your thoughts on Florida state? How do you have them uh, taking that next step forward and making it into the college football playoff? Yeah, well, the Florida State pick is definitely a wild card. It's got a little bit of attention. You like those thought process? You like that? You always have one every year. You had Utah a couple years ago and came within like I don't know, like five minutes of that actually happening. So you you usually nail these, even if they do seem a little bit outside the box. Yeah, well, well, thanks. Uh, you know, I, I try to think outside the box. I do my own original research. I try and tune out the national guys until I publish my own, and then I can catch up. But yeah, so it's not by design, but I've I've arrived at it. Yeah, with Florida State. Um, here's the thought process. So last year, 2022, they were really what I call a stat giant. They were top 10 in all the metrics, all my stats, um, really a complete team on both sides of the ball. I know they were 10 and three, but really a, a stat giant. And the thing is, all of that is back. Number one in the country in returning production. So an entire roster now is back intact, ready for more of a stat gain. Uh, they got key decisions from some NFLers to return, like Fabian Lovett on the defensive tackle, Jared Verse defensive end. Uh, Jordan Travis, the dual threat quarterback, could be a Heisman candidate. And um, But the, the key kicker here is that uh, it's really a two-team race with Clemson for the ACC. One of them has really embraced the portal, Florida State, and brought in blue chippers, all-conference guys, to really supplement their roster and bolster it, while Clemson has ignored that. And uh, they've ignored that under Dabo Sweeney. They're now thin at some key position groups. Receivers, a glaring issue for them. Could have been using the portal, have not been. So uh, I think in that head-to-head, I'm going Florida State to emerge from the ACC, probably 11-1, and make it in the bracket. This year is going to be a very interesting year across all of college football because it is, as you and I talked about before we started recording, it's the end of an era in a lot of ways. Not only because you have some conference realignment stuff happening with Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 to head to the SEC. Of course, for Big 10 fans, we have USC and UCLA and who knows, potentially half of the Big 12 or the Pac-12 because that whole conference is seems to be running on fumes. Uh, but then we also have the 12-team playoff, which will substantially change how the postseason and in a lot of ways the regular season operates as well. For you, as you kind of look through college football from your perspective, not necessarily looking at just one team, but looking at college football as a whole, what are your thoughts and feelings about what this season means to the sport and to fans, especially as, you know, we kind of go into a whole new brand of college football starting next season. Yeah. Well, um, with my magazine, I cover all 69 teams myself. It's a one man show. So I'm, I'm digging into all these programs that, and, uh, I'll say it's pretty bittersweet thinking about how much is going to change next year. Uh, I know there are some positives to come from it, but a lot of negatives, a lot of change, uh, especially the regionality of the sport, which I love. I love the old traditions, the old, you know, in-state rivals, the regional rivals, and, you know, the old Pac-10, the Pac-12, Pac all that's changing this uh, this offseason. So really a shame, in my opinion. I know the Big Ten will benefit from USC and UCLA, but I think all of college football in general will suffer um, because it looks like the Pac-12 is now on its final leg. And it's a shame because, I mean, you could, you could you know, pick it how 
some of their teams are underperforming or how they've lost their edge on defense, whatever. But you want to have a West Coast presence in college football. I love it. I try and watch it all. So that'd really be a shame. So, yeah, so what does 2023 mean? It's really the end of an era. Not only the bracket is changing from 4 to 12, so your whole postseason changes. But with the postseason expanding, that also views how you view it also changes how you view the regular season. You know, a lot of these key regular season matchups lose some luster because it's no longer do or die um, or it's no longer that you have one mulligan. You might have three mulligans now. I don't know. I mean, I, I like what we have. I love what we have as a current product and uh, change it while it could be positive. I don't even want to risk it. I love what we have with college football and, um, you know, I'm not in favor of any of the change. So I might sound old timey there, but it's true. I mean, college football is built on tradition and regionality. And I think you're, going a, a big step away from it in 2024 i i don't know how old you are I'm, I'm assuming i'm older than you i'm actually the opposite like i i'm all for changes there are certain things obviously in the uh in the pageantry and the pomp and circumstance with college football that i would love to keep but i i i'm embracing them a little bit more than than it sounds like you do but we come at this from different places i am a a, a homer for one specific school and to a lesser extent one specific conference you are somebody who looks at the game much differently than i do all right, we'll wrap it up with this, Brett. You have your final four. We know who you think is going to be in the playoffs. You, Based off of that, we know who kind of some of the conference champions and your other rankings are going to be. So those are the big like headline storylines for this season. But I wonder what you think might be a storyline that's a little bit under the radar, something that you think will play out or something that could potentially play out this season that people are going to want to keep an eye on, whether that's a team, a conference, a player, something that we might not think of as Ohio state fans that we should be focusing on when the season starts in earnest over Labor Day weekend. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's wide open. There's a lot of sleepers out there. I mean, I think as a storyline, I'll do two. I think one with the PAC 12, I think it's the most top heavy it's ever been. Um, <coughs> uh, you got four teams there in my top 12. It was so hard to pick just two to go to Vegas to play in the conference title game. You got a two time defending Utah, uh, Washington now looks like a top 10 team with a, a rising defense to pair with their passing offense. USC, we all saw it last year. Lincoln Riley's offense is incredible. And then Oregon, you got Bo Nix back. So uh, if, you, if you're not currently staying up till 1 a.m. to watch these games, I encourage you to enjoy these, this last big run of the Pac-12. I think it's going to be special uh, and the most competitive race they've had. And my second storyline is a little bit more close to the vest, uh, or I should say close to Columbus here uh, with the Big Ten East. And I think what we might have, one, one scenario I see playing out could be a 2008 Big 12 South. And that might be a deep cut reference, but that was the year where Texas Tech under Graham Harrell, uh, Oklahoma with Sam Bradford, and Texas with Colt McCoy, they were all so elite that their only losses all year were to each, uh, each other. It was a triangle. It was all 11 and ones. Um, so I think you might have a, a, a three-team triangle here of 11 and one teams with Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. They're all strong enough in their own regard. And if the losses fall a certain way, you might have a triangle. So that would be pretty impressive to see all three of these teams up there in the top six or top five at the end of the year. You're already giving me stress and anxiety thinking about having to play both of those teams this season. Fortunately, Ohio State at least gets Penn State at home, even though they have to travel to Ann Arbor in the final game of the regular season. But Brett, we are so excited that college football is back. Anybody who loves college football needs to get the book. As we've talked about in years past, it is the most accurate, most on-point book, preview book that comes out every year. Tell us a little bit about, real quick as we wrap up, one, what makes your book different and how people can get it? Yeah, well, thanks for the praise. I appreciate that. Um, there's a couple ways that it's different. I think, number one, 
I touched on it before, but it's a one-man show. I mean, I'm digging in, deep diving into all 69 of these teams, um, unlike the other ones where they have hundreds of writers. And I respect the work they do. It's just, um, you know, it's a different approach where it's one guy in there doing it. Um, another way I'm different, I like to mesh my analytics. You know, I'm a numbers guy too, and they're on the left side of the page, but I like to put them back into readable terms. You know, you're not going to find acronyms or computer code here on the pages. Uh, it's very visually appealing. Uh, but putting it back into readable terms and football terms. Um, and then the last way it's different is I'm in the trenches calling head coaches, calling coordinators, talking to as many as I can to really understand the schemes they're wanting to install, the culture of the locker room, all those buzzwords, the recruiting strategies, uh, and just putting it all together. I think it's the most comprehensive preview you'll find on the market. Um, and the last, last bit is that it's proven out accuracy-wise, um, prediction-wise, where I now have the number one title over the 10-year five-year and three-year, so the triple crown of predictions uh, by Stassen.com compared to all the others on newsstands. So uh, that's the triple threat there. So we do have the hard copy edition again this year after a lot of praise last year. Um, so hard copy and digital, both available at pick6previews.com. And if you're interested, you can check out some samples, some testimonials uh, from the college game day guys, 247 guys, everybody, and appreciate your, your feedback as well, Matt. So in addition to the book, you are also one of the best follows uh, on social media. I don't know, with social media kind of imploding and then new sites popping up everywhere. I'm not sure where you're at these days on social media, on which different platforms, but where can people follow you to uh, stay up to date on everything you have to say about the upcoming season? Yeah, well, uh, thank you. I'm, I'm strictly on Twitter, which seems to be a little bit dangerous right now. I'm over-invested in Twitter. Um, but yeah, it's a Twitter at Pick6Previews. And uh, yeah, I've gotten a lot of praise from my account and people that buy the book and read the book, they say it's basically Pick 6 Previews Twitter on steroids. It's, it's uh, you know, longer form of my Twitter account. So that's great praise. And uh, yeah, I encourage, go follow over there. It's, it's content all day, every day. Uh, also listings of the radios and podcasts I'm on and, um, and some weekly picks and writing. So yeah, really appreciate the shout outs. Well, Brett, we always appreciate you taking the time to chat about Ohio State and college football at large. Enjoy the rest uh, of your month. I'm sure you will be booked and busy for the next 30 days until the season starts. But uh, we appreciate it. We enjoy the inside, and we'll be uh, following along all season long. Yeah, well, thanks so much. It's uh, it's Radio Podcast Month, and, and good luck, Buckeyes. It's one of the most passionate fan bases out there. Uh, I see a lot of support from Ohio State people, and uh, you know, keep it up. It's your passion is not uh, not going unnoticed. You know, I'm in a part of the country, uh, in Philadelphia, that does not care about college football. So I need to get in more places like Columbus and then Ohio. So you guys do it right out there, and uh, a lot of respect. Yeah, sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's bad. Uh, our, our collective passion, but uh, we definitely take it on the good side. So that's for sure. Well, I- enjoy the month. Enjoy college football season, and hopefully we'll check in soon. Okay. Thanks, Matt. <laughs>